Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Dragon Diplomacy, by Magic Yanma. When humans first reached the fabled continent of dragons, it was a rather magnanimous time for them. They had the military arms, the wealth, the technology, and the manpower to do whatever they wished. They tamed continents, beasts of fable and horror, drafted alliances with races that despised one another, and conquered the riches of the world with incredible guile. Except here, yeah, the continent of dragons was not remote. No. It was marked, obviously, on all the sea charts with symbols of dragons, verums and verums as well, across it. Sailors told stories about getting near the coast, of dragons appearing from nowhere and destroying whole fleets down to the keels. No ships would dare to get close due to them. Yet, they did. They did with the wild imagination and spirit to expand. Their first settlement, one given the unassuming name of Brackford, was one of the unassuming bay just north of the large chain of mountains and valleys. They saw the perfect landscape to dig for resources and raise livestock. We saw it as an invasion of our home. The humans were not scared off by the repeated attacks of dragons, their virums, underlings, their whelps, or the cabalt minions. They fought and fought and fought. For every inch, every acre, and every river, for every valley, they fought, and ferociously. As they fought, the politics of our home continued still, as was such for thousands of years. I was but a younger dragon, my desma, small, and no verums or whelps under my wing. I only had a squalor warren of a cobold, amounting to at least four hundred. An unimpressive amount, and nowhere close to the armies that the humans could field in a single week, or the larger, more powerful dragons like my rivals could command with a single word. I was weak. This left me with a staggering end when the humans came to my desma. The war of our home finally came to me. I spoiled to watch them trot over the field before my mountain home, with a full military bed with arms, cannons, mages, and siege towers of death, in case I used walls or magic to halt their advance. It was both a bold portrait of strength and an assurance that they were more than ready to fight a dragon such as me. As they approached, I refused to put my cabal warren in front of such a mighty army, like most of my brethren would do. They would have been slaughtered to a one, and then me with nothing to show for it. Instead, I had them with me, guarding them from their sight with my large form. They were scared of what they called the Tall Ones, as the word spread from Warren to Warren across the land. They had a marked hatred of them, yes, but fear as well. They knew that there was no stopping them, and that even I, as a mighty dragon, could not either. As I watched them march, and my eyes caught the glance of one human who stood out from the rest, one human who did not fit the rest. There were soldiers all around him, the strongest of all the ones that I've seen marching. Mages ranked the soldiers, giving this one human more protection than any other. Who was this strange human and why were they protecting him? I had never received word from the other dragons on such strange humans and their armies. Just a word of glorious battles I knew I could never be a part of and or never win. 
If this was to be my last stand, I would do so honorably, I had thought. I stood in front of my chargers as they crested the last hill. Many other dragons would never do such a thing and let them be slaughtered. But I myself had little. They had grown on me from the companionship they gave me. I did not want the humans to kill them all. I wanted them to have a chance at escaping. At least that would have been the idea if the humans had charged like I expected. It's dead. They stopped. It seemed as if they were waiting for me to charge, to fall for their trap and attack with a false up close. In hindsight, it was the truth. Every dragon before had attacked ruthlessly, but I was the first to watch and wait. The temper of the fury. I wished to deliver and let them deal the first blow. How I wanted them to charge so that I could fight them up close, where I could deal with them the most terrible wrath and take as many of them as I could. No, they waited as I did, and time past dawn turned into noon and my patience for their patience grew irritable. How could they be so patient? Were they not dealing devastating battle after battle with us dragons? With the end of my patience, I stood up. I looked down at the elder of the Cabold Warren, Xeroxy, and nodded at him to follow me. I had questions for these humans. They piqued my curiosity with their patience, and I must find out why they were waiting for me. I cannot speak their tongue, but the elder could. Having learned when their first armies fought the dragonkin, he would be my voice and my confidant. I hoped as I walked to them that they would finally attack, thus giving me a reason to fight yet. They held back still as I grew closer. I could hear the whispers, their talk. They were not afraid, of course. I was but a small, weak dragon at the time. It would have only taken no less than a short few minutes for them to fatally wound me, I suspect. It was when I came to the front of the infantry that I saw him, the one human that didn't match the rest. It was a marvel to see the other humans move and clear out of his way as his guard came forward. The mages were ready with their magics, the guards ready with their arms alongside, likely shielding spells and enchanted swords made of fight dragons in case I or other dragons decided to play dirty. But I was above such notions, both dragonkin were. We fought in battle with honor as battle was a display of our strength and beauty. I hadn't even known that I was the first to try and speak with them. In doing so, I found the single human's purpose, the reason for their patience. We stared. He was dressed in a simple garb as I saw before, but closer I could see the finer details. His garb was finely trimmed with delicate patterns and exotic materials. This human was no fool either from the way his eyes bore into mine. I had seen the knowledge, the experience in those eyes. I learned his purpose, of his true patience. I bowed my head calmly and snorted a breath of smoky ash, a sign of peaceful greeting between dragons. I let it clear before I rose my head to make my proclamation. Humans, I am a buzzle. You have entered my domain with bravery, strength, and numbers that I cannot match yet, and do not attack. Why is this... I said, and Zaraxi translated right after, almost shouting to match the volume of the humans. The garbed human smiled. I sensed no treachery from him as he spoke. A buzzle, I am Rock, Lord of the Longstead. I represent the Emperor Arvos of the Second and his Imperial Authority, as we tame these lands. To answer your question, we must ask you one yourself. 
I had nodded. Very well. What is it you ask of me? Not only do you hold an attacking, but you had been protecting the Warren of Kobolds. Why is this? We have seen all the dragons recklessly let them die as fodder in their battles. He asked me, a tinge of awe in his voice. I looked down at Zaraxi. He had a solemn look at his face. It was painful truth for him, but a truth nonetheless. Many dragons saw the kobolds, who worshipped us as gods to be revered, little more than fodder for war. I did not see it the same way, for I had little in the first place. They were all that I had. It is simple, Lord of Longstead. They are all that I have in my desma. My hoard is nothing but a measly pile of glowing stones. My mountain is a pebble amongst the titans of the chain. I have no verum, verums or whelps under my command. Fellow dragons rarely visit me except for official decrees made by the dragon of dragons. I only have my capold and they are mine to lose. I have more than enough temperance to hold strong for their sake. I explained with an honest and all the dignity I had. It was a lot to admit that I had nothing. I was a young dragon after all. And this was all that I can protect, for no other dragon would want such a pitiful desma. Rourke looked intrigued at Zaraxi, repeated my words. He stroked what fur he had on his chin, and then he smiled once more. And with such an honest answer, I shall give you my honest answer. Before you lies a great army of the five thousand men, an expeditionary force to expand our holdings until we have reached a point where we feel that it is safe for both sides. I have staved off dragon attack after attack as we scoured the land for one dragon, Woolly, to participate in peaceful accords. He sighed. It must have been an exhausting prospect, but it was clear today that it had paid off for him. I am sure that you've heard of our deeds as we walked the lands the last few months, but there had been one detail that was wrong with each account. He laughed and held his hands out to the army before him. He was not their leader, but a symbol of the reach of a man that I have never heard or seen. Him and all the mages and soldiers, the smile on his face was wicked. We are the only army that this land has right now, revealed Rourke. I reeled back slightly. I had heard a tale upon tale of armies, many armies of differing sizes defeating dragonkin, of smashing apart thousands of kobolds. Teams of Verums and Whelps, and a powerful Verum guards with no retreat. The only one. Surely this is a jest, I said, not believing him at first. He chuckled, not a jest at all, I assure you. We are just humans, have learned and adapted to war long ago, and defeating Dragonkind is merely an exercise in proper strategy and planning. I see. I had little to comment about this. It was something that I had to give up as a fact of humanity, that they were the best at warfare. Still, one thing was certain to me. What of me now? What are you going to do now? I asked. Am I to surrender to you? Swear fealty to your emperor? The man, to my shock, nodded. It felt as they had come to make me more of a joke of a dragon than I already was. In a way, yes, fealty is what we wish. We have been hoping to find one cooperative dragon and have them patiently trying to do this the entire time. Growing our empire alongside was a bonus. I was stunned. They were looking for a dragon to cooperate with them. For what reason could they have? For what reason? 
Rourke, the lord of Longstead, clasped his hands together with a wide smile. Eyes closed as he gave me his answer. His imperial majesty wishes to obtain the services of a dragon. End of story number one. Story number two. Dragon of Motive, written by Magic Yanma. I realize these days how I have regarded humanity quite wrong. In those years before meeting and working with them, and in that time knowing them personally changed my perspective. In my days as a whelp, I had learned all the knowledge that I could about them, and long had regarded them as a race of completely insane. The fact that the race I had long considered insane was quite sane in the end. They came all this way to the continent of dragons, of which they had aptly named Drakenlund, not to conquer it as the primary goal, but to acquire the services of a dragon for something rather mundane. Something revealed to me long after I agreed to work with the humans instead of fighting them. Infuriating at first, not something that I would argue against, as it was easily within my capabilities. His Imperial Majesty just wanted to acquire the services of a dragonkin like me, simply to set something on fire. Is this a jest? I asked Rourke, bestowed the title of Lord of Longstead, and apparently the title of Prince of the Lizard Folk. The story of that was something I did not wish to regale me again. My translator refused to be near the man after hearing it. No, no jest at all. Fire is exactly what his imperial majesty needs, but not exactly any old fire. Rourke responded to me as the ship we traveled on. The Mary's majesty lurched to one side and then the other before writing. It was a ship chartered by the emperor himself for the purpose of transporting the title here, and then, when the official duties... It was also the only ship that was large and strong enough to carry me. I could have flown my way to their lands, but an invitation to ride and relax was not one that I could pass up. I also did not pass up the chance to question him. What is this not exactly any old fire in all of this? Why is a simple fire not suitable enough? I asked and waited as my companion translated. Along with me on this trip, as a translator, however, was not the elder of the Cabold Warren Zeraxi, but his son Zeroxi. The elder stayed behind to lead them while I was away, along with the humans' promise to protect my desma, something that I was thankful for. Rourke put a hand on his hair-laden chin and thought for a moment, likely how to word it well enough for me. Well, the fire we need must not only be hot but magical as well, to last a long time. Magical fire lasts for days, if not weeks without needing to be attended to, to given the right housing for it. For the fire that is needed in this case, Dragonkin are one of the few readily available firecasters that also do so with copious amounts of magic imbued within the fire. No human or elven mage could do so without rendering themselves to a magical backlash and potential explosion from that. If you were in need of such a thing... Why not an elemental imp or a chained demon? My question was made in earnest curiosity. Well, I was not the strongest nor the most practiced dragon. My fire still burned hotter than most human mages could possibly produce. However, dragonkin were not the only ones that had met that level of power. Demons, especially those from the fire oral background, had strong fires and, of course, used magic as if it were limitless. Their connection to Hald, the world of the underside, was what gave them its ability. 
The danger of summoning an imp, let alone a demon, was higher than requesting the services of a dragon. At least at first we had thought. The man sighed and shook his head, but as the years had dragged on and the conflicts continued, we had begun considering the alternative, but thankfully you were a calmer spirit lady, Abazul, explained Rourke. And that is why our emperor was quick to bestow me a title and promised me a sizable amount of land within your empire. I was uncertain of such a deal. Being bestowed things merely because the emperor needed some fire was an unnatural cause. Still, there was no turning back now. It is a generous thing that you have done, do not get me wrong, Lord of Longstead, but I simply am astounded by the need for a dragon. Was there no other alternatives? In due time we will learn why we needed a dragon. As for the alternatives, I have personally sent some of the wisest men in my land for it and have taken a view of it myself in person three times. He scoffed and shook his head. The human way to show disbelief. It is an ambitious project, and one that requires finesse and forces immeasurable. Immeasurable in forces, physical and not magical, I assume, I asked. Exactly, he replied. It is why we need a magical fire as needed. We have a physical solution, of course, but the quantity needed is hard to transport, and a long distance from the mountains to the capital, and was simply far too much to carry without causing issues for the project. So, the great dragon of Buzzle is not your first solution, but a second solution, because the first one is too costly. My charge, Zaraxi asked. It was not the first time he had spoken up on the strip. He was far more willing to question things than his father. Put that way, yes, Rourke chuckled deeply. Some water sprayed onto the ship and particularly large wave battered it. The emperor, of course, justified acquiring the duty of a willing dragon far more than just this task. I hummed, and I finally got to the heart of what else I would want to know. What is the justification exactly? Rourke then looked rather embarrassed, that I asked, and he put up an arm behind his head and scratched himself as he awkwardly answered with, Um, bragging rights. I could only groan at such a foolish notion. I could only gasp at such a brilliant sight. This is astounding. My words, translated by my cabal charge, only made his imperial might emperor, Harvas II, bellow a hearty laugh. He was a jovial man with a thirst for discovery and invention, as I'd learned along the way. He personally had approved upon a few important machines humanity used day to day. This was his crown jewel for those efforts, something massive and beyond compare, indescribable by me or Zaraxi. It is my crown jewel, a project that will carry my people and legacy of progress, of motion, he exclaimed, workers all around ignoring him while they continued to work. Zaraxi could not help but chuckle at the exuberant attitude. During my time in the Empire in his presence, I had found that despite his nature, Emperor Harvas II was a fiery man as well, a man of passion and one was not taken as a fool. His brilliance with devices and tinkering extended to battle and strategy as well. I knew this man was a legacy in the making, even as he stood there with a childish smile on his face. Legacy. His legacy in question was quite large when compared to humans working on it, around it, or just standing near it. Its size and quality was its own entirely. It was longer than me head and tail impressively for a machine of a human design and build. Much of the mass of machine laid covered under white sheets, but what could be seen was metal, 
shaped and painted in beautiful detail. Splashes of red here, green there, and a little blue wherever, with a decorative pattern putting it all together. I didn't tear my eyes away from such exquisite detail when I asked the question, When did you start building such a machine like this? Three years ago, we had our first joining of the metal, and a little over five years ago, when we started designing it. The emperor began. I heard him rummaging through his pockets and turned to see him pull out a faded paper with some sort of drawing on it. It was five years ago that I witnessed first-hand many concepts and prototypes, including this one in my hand, submitted to me by a single man bent by health itself to give his inventions life. He had been seeking backing for it across the empire, and I was his last choice when all the others rejected him. The moment I saw his plans, and what little prototype could do, I knew it had to come to being. I watched him walk over to the table with a mass of papers strewn across the stack. He pocketed the faded paper and pulled out one of the pile and held it up to me. I was looking over it and it seemed to be a much smaller version of the machine. Then he continued his explanation. Over the years, we had gradually built better and better prototypes to test new ideas and changes to the old ones, and they have all culminated in this. The crown jewel of them all to not only promote its adoption, but debut its services to the people of this empire. A lofty goal, I must say. My eyes bounced from plan to pan. One detail I saw that was carried over from each one was one that flamed my interest the most, in a more literal sense. I can see in all of these that the machine needs a very powerful fire to work. The emperor nodded and despondent sigh. It seemed to be a fact that he wished weren't true. Circumstances of the material we chose meant needing a hot fire. We could have chosen a material that needed less heat to do the job, but meant to be more unsafe and needing to carefully be watched over more years. You plan to use this machine for years on end? I asked, impressed. He was not planning it to be impressive, but also for longevity as well. Indeed, the inventor estimated with this design and material used, it can easily last as long as 50 years before needing certain components to be replaced. 50 years? An eternity for a cabal like Zaraxi, a long time for a human like one before me. A short time for an elf or a dragon like me. A mere creation of metal could last as long as a feat, usually only held by the dwarves, and even then, with meticulous planning. Long time. Most cabal don't get such an age due to accidents or dealing with rival warrens, said Saraxi, who was likely even more impressed by that number than I was. Yes, it certainly is, and with enough care it can last far longer than that. He laughed and walked over to the covered portion. He beckoned Zaraxi and me over, and we followed, thanks to the incredible space needed to house the machine. I had no trouble getting around. It was elegant seeing it up close like this, though. I wonder what it looks like from underneath all of that cloth. I thought aloud. After Zaraxi translated, the emperor moved over to the edge of the cloth and grasped it with one hand. Well, let me show you as the rest of it, then. She will be the fastest ever to grace the land in this era and usher in a new one. The emperor pulled off the cloth, revealing the rest of the machine to us. What was once an elegant design of paintwork was something that could not be more opposite. 
There was a mass of rods, wheels, gears, and raw metal welded to one another through a series of odd little screw designs or welds. It was not an elegant sight, but it inspired a sense of awe and sheer complexity. Of its potential strength and the years of slow craftsmanship, it took me minutes to find my voice. Another few more for Zaraxi to find his to translate my question. This machine, my fire will be used to power it. Emperor Arvos II clasped his hands in the same way the Lord of Longstead had when he proclaimed what he was there for, and I braced myself for something equally insane to come out of the man's mouth. Indeed it is, Lady Abuzel. I want to use your fire to power this great machine to convert water into steam and drive the wheels that'll carry this machine and its carriages across the empire. I was not disappointed by the insanity, at sheer sanity of the idea. In fact, at that moment I laughed and let out a soft laugh at his notion, his request for me to aid him and his personal project to bring his people into a new age. Then I shall do so. Your machine and your passion are certainly something that I cannot miss out witnessing the coming to fruition. I paused. Another question came to mind. What do you plan on calling this machine? He let out a laugh, quiet but still jovial as always. There was no explanation this time, just a simple name for an elegant yet inelegant machine all the same. The Locomotive End of story number two. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you did, please consider subscribing. If you wish to support the author, there is a link to the original story, so pop over there and give him your support. If you wish to support this channel, however, there are a few ways to do so. The best and easiest would be to share this video with other people, as well as liking, subscribing, and leaving a comment. All of these things tell the algorithm that this channel is at least vaguely interesting and that may share it with other people. If you wish to support the channel in some other manner, watching my other videos would also help tremendously. Or if you really, really, really like, there is a link down below to leave a tip or to join the Patreon. Any and all support is very much appreciated. And I hope that you all have a good one until the next time. And I'll see you then. Cheers.